We are live. Oh, dude, I forgot my plant. Dude, I got I got to fix this. Right where back. is your plant? We're live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Schmoozin, where half of the show is just, you know, landscaping. You can't, go, oh. you can't go do a live stream without a plant. You know, you know? what? That is a big difference. That is right? a big, major difference. Before, your wall was just a wall, and now it's got life. I left the door open too. This is like I look bad. This is bad. I'm not clamping. I'm not clamping today. I'm not clamping so bad. so well. Well, I appreciate your look today, Eli. You've got a real Trevor Noah daily social social distancing show look. Oh, that's true, right? He's like rocking hoodies on every cool. episode. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very, very in tune to current affairs. Hey, you know, we're quarantined forever, so we might as well have some comfortable sweatshirts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. It really does feel like it's a forever, forever teen. Forever quarantine. At least we can vote. At least we can vote. At least you can. Is that I mean, something exciting you have to leave the house to do? It's kind of strange that that's like one of the only activities that gets you out the house to go. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. What better get thing to get you house. out the house? Get out your house. I think we can. Let's let's pin this one for a minute. And sure. say hi to everybody tuning in. This is Schmoozing with Soul Clap. Hello, everybody. I'm Eli. I'm Charlie. We're DJs. And we, we used to be DJs. <laughs> we used to be DJs. <laughs> now we just sit here on Twitch and talk. Now we talk to each yeah. other. <laughs> um, we talk about music. We talk about politics. We talk about climate, sustainability. It's true. Funny shit. Funny serious shit. shit. <laughs> Um, and today on the show, we have special guests. We have two very special guests. Dun, 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 dun. One and only Seven Davis Jr. and Brandon Lucas, who together are putting out music on the new collective, the new label from Dr. Cornell West. Um, and we are really excited to hear what they've been up to and how, how they all came together. Yeah, and like just the fact Cornell West has the Cornell West has a, a dance music, an electronic music label is just so awesome. So and I'm awesome. curious to find out more about it. I mean, you know, right. I know some people have problems with politics and music coming together, but I'm all for it. And this is a beautiful merging of radical ideas, politics, music, creativity, and it's expand. I'm so glad to get to listen to some of the music on the show today. Absolutely, absolutely. But without great. further ado, let's run that intro. This is something special for you. Schmooze, schmooze. So, so, that's it! Talk amongst yourselves. Schmooze, schmooze. So, so, Are you ready? The show's about to start. Hey, hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's look behind us for a second. This is an image taken at Madison from Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah, right outside in New York. Early voting going on. Can we Manhattan? Chris, can you pull us out for a second? Yeah. Well, that's me. Hey, hey, oh, that's me. If you're out there early voting in Manhattan, respect. I got out there. I voted last week. 
Nice. Oh but it was super chillsville over here in Miami at the North Miami Public Library. No biggie. That looks like pain in the ass. But look, the bigger pain in the ass would be not voting and things going a different Staying way. how they were. <laughs> yeah, or staying, staying how they are. So... You know, I made a mistake. Well, look, look. Before we talk about anything else, look. If you, if you are, if you are an American citizen, please vote. Get your ass out and vote. And this is like it's every four years. It's a presidential election, and it's really important. This might be the most important election of our lives. And yeah. uh, you know, get out and vote. And it's actually there's you know it's this year. There's so many ways you can vote early. You can vote by mail, or if you already have your absentee ballot. Or you can just vote at the regular time in the regular place where you usually vote. But you all all should make sure you check that information. Make sure you sure. have all the info about your state and what your state is doing. And you can actually do that just by Googling, how do I vote? It's so easy. All you got to do, go to Google. Yeah, Chris, let's, let's take it. How do I vote? How to vote. How to vote. How do I vote? Anything you, you put how right. and vote. You could just put vote. You can just me, me want to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, select your state. state. Bam. Check that out. Election day is the third. That's true. And you just need to be postmarked. And then if you mail. click oh, vote October on person, click vote in yeah. person. If you click vote in person, then you can probably see your polling place and all that information. So where you actually need to go to vote. So yeah, politics is, you know, this election is an important one. Politics is something we should all think about as, as a responsibility for to do it something every day to try to make our community a better place so let's amen let's get off our asses let's see what's going on in colorado who's out in colorado yeah okay and this you gotta do the third in colorado and you know early voting has been going like like uh like hot Hot cakes (laughs) hot potato there's actually i looked 60, almost 70 million people have voted early at this point. Maybe um, you want to check in on that graphic we were looking great, at last yeah, week. Let me, let me drop this graphic in here. I thought I had done it before, but I don't see it in the chat now. There it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild to see how many people vote early. Already more than last year. I mean, than last election have voted. The total who voted early. Oh, wow. Voted now. Wait, more People have early voted in this election than total voters. No, 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 no. Then, then, then all the early voters in last election, ah, and we're still yeah. a week away from the election, right? Because so, last week they had already had a twenty percent of total voters had early right. voted. It's getting, it's getting up there. Um, I mean, look, we have to remember that last presidential election only about sixty percent of eligible voters voted. So, a lot of people don't don't want to vote for whatever reason. Look at that. A lot of mail-in, a lot of in-person, early voting, 68,000 right now. It's pretty amazing. Click that turnout as percent of 2016 total turnout. That's a really interesting. Um, Bam. So look, look some state, right now we're at 49, 49.8% of total votes counted in the 2016 election already, and we're still a week out from the election. So that's a lot it. of early voting. That is great. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, so you know, hopefully that means that people are – out there voting and, and making good decisions. That's true. That's true. And look, I mean, there's a lot of tomfoolery with this election. Obviously, as we know, as in last election, there are some weird weirdness, you know, and this year, this election, there's going to be weirdness that should not discourage you from at least making the effort to get out there and do it. 
saw a strange headline though, which was from Boston, Massachusetts. That uh, oh, where did I go? I lost it. There we go. That uh, a ballot box was set on fire down near Copley Square. Um, so in Boston? Yeah, in uh, on Boylston Street, right at the at the library. We're right from there. Boston, guys. This is like this hits us this in the heart. Boston news. Um, and uh, yeah, I sent a link. Uh, yeah, there's a link in there. You know, it's just it. It looks like you know this guy is maybe. You know, maybe a homeless guy. His or name a is Willie Armand. What a great name! Wait, what? They got his name? Yeah, they caught they caught him and charged him. His name is Worldly Armand. He's thirty nine. He was arraigned in municipal court. I mean, I don't know why he would want to do this, other than just kind of. I don't know if this is an instance of voter suppression. I mean, it is by the physical act of burning the ballots. But well, he, he just seems like troubled, you know. He, so yeah, mental illness. They said in that they say in this article. I mean, you know, this is an argument for why we need better treatment and support for homeless and uh, folks and mentally ill folks in our country. True. true. If he could have gotten treatment publicly, then he wouldn't have bought, he wouldn't he have might not have burned his ballot box. Unbelievable. <laughs> but then someone was they, they said that they found another like a uh, mailbox that someone was trying to set. So people are you know people are upset right now. People are just generally upset. I understand. That's There's a crazy. lot to be upset about. I made the mistake of clicking a headline right before we started the show. Uh oh. Um, I am, you know, I'm very, I'm actually in graduate school right now since I can't DJ. Um, <laughs> getting my master's in climate science and policy, so I really care about the climate and trying to figure out what we can do as humans to slow down climate change and help protect the planet for ourselves and future generations. And uh, the current administration has systematically done everything in their power to um, stop any climate regulation, um, any kind of regulation that will, will uh, stop climate change. So in the latest, in their latest attack, this is something I've been learning about in class. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is a, is a national, um, agency that basically tracks hurricanes, tracks climate and weather in the United States. And there's these agencies around the world, almost every country um, that has resources to has these kind of agencies that collect data and, and analyze data about climate and about weather. Um, and so this current administration of, in our country, um, they removed the chief scientist recently and they replaced him with a climate change denier Oh God! Um, as as the new administrator of this, this is not a political uh, agency, right? This is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They help us. They help us per stay protected from hurricanes, like and make sure that that we know and predict where hurricanes are going to go, and protect millions of people who live on coast and who are maybe threatened by climate events. So making this a partisan issue puts people's lives at risk. This is it's why like, I care about voting. Because it's like hiring someone to do like the triangulation of satellites. It's a flat earther that doesn't believe well, in curves. I mean, this, <laughs> a, this has been a pattern, right? I mean, like they're the initial chairman of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, which, by the way, for all y'all people who are trolling out there, the EPA was a bipartisan organization when it started. It was started by Richard Nixon, the Republican president of the United States. Okay. EPA used to be bipartisan. Environmental protection used to be a bipartisan issue. It's only over the last 20, 30 years that it's become super split and partisan. Yeah. Um, 
but the initial the initial appoint appointee to be chair of the EPA under this administration was Scott Pruitt from Oklahoma, who basically was a lawyer who spent his career trying to fight environmental regulation in Oklahoma and denies climate change. So you're basically appointing somebody to head the Environmental Protection Agency that's supposed to protect the environment for all the citizens of our country, mm -hmm. appointing someone for that organ to run the organization who doesn't believe that there should be environmental protection. It's so this, so has been a, this has been a strategy forever, and this is why we have to vote this motherfucker out of office. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, one of many reasons. Um, but yeah, enough soapboxing. Let's uh, get to the music, shall Let's we? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's um, run our band camp song of the week. Come on now. The band camp song of the week. That was a premiere. We actually got James Earl Jones to do some voiceover work for the show. So thank you, James. We appreciate you. So check it out, guys. A few months back, we dropped... Jeez, you know what? I have no sense of timing. How long ago would this record come out? It's more two than weeks. a couple months. This is like two weeks ago. No, not this one. I mean, the oh, original. That was like six months ago. Our, yes, yeah, over the summer, maybe July. Craziness. Anyway, yeah. A few months back, we dropped a great collaboration between us and Shalor. Um, the song is called Just a Come. And we have a great remix from Blase Vanguard um, coming out of Trinidad. He's Trinidadian who uh, has spent a bunch of time in London, which is where I met him. We met out there uh, last year when we could still travel um, and got some studio sessions together. And then we had already recorded uh, parts of this, this Just a Come track um, with the Caribbean influence and thought it would be dope to have a Trini take on it. So Come on. this is uh, Blase's B-Mix. Super he doesn't do remixes, he does remixes. Big shout out, Lori Lava and Shanti.
that sound like steel drums. Oh, yeah. Nothing blasé about that remix. Oh. I forgot one thing in our news update, Eli, which is the Charlie's dog news of the week. <laughs> which is just that our next door neighbor's got a big this German Shepherd, right? And she's about 10 months old. And my dog and the German Shepherd are always at the fence sniffing each other out. So over the weekend, I cut a hole in the fence and put like a pool noodle so the dogs can cross back and forth. And now I've got German Shepherd coming through the doggy door at all random times. So during that song, I just saw German Shepherd head pop through the doggy door, look at me, and then run off. That's entertainment, folks. <laughs> yep. All right. Without further ado, I, the, I just want the dog news. I want some videos. I'll have to start. I'll take some video for you. Come on. I promise. Come on. We'll we'll have some rep reporting on on site on location. The doggy news. Doggy. Let's bring them in, man. Okay. Let's bring in our guests. Let's do it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Seven Davis Jr., Brandon Lucas. What What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing, Hello. How are you? What's up? Welcome to schmoozing. We schmoozing. We schmoozing. Let's schmooze. <laughs> yeah. Seven, did you vote today? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How was the experience? It was pretty chill, actually. I was expecting to wait hours, but I just voted, got it done. Was there any wait, or you just got to go right in? I just got to go right in. Nice. They are, are they're, maybe are they were a fan of your music. <laughs> and they're like, Seven Days Junior is here? Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the mountains in like a really kind of rural-ish area, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't <laughs> know who I was. <laughs> How long have you been up there in the, in the mountains? About a year since the beginning of, uh, yeah, this year. Did you escape nice. before before all the all the COVID madness, or was it in response? <laughs> I landed like a week before it started. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Right on time. Right on time. Awesome. I had a I had a similar move to uh, to upstate New York, like late last year or like last fall. So I felt I've been very thankful to be in the country in these crazy times, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a theme for me because when I was living in London, I left right before Brexit. And then wow. I came home to America right like on time for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I moved out of California, 
I was like, boom, COVID. So you got to stop moving. I think that's I'm what we determined. If you had just stayed still, <laughs> none of these no. geopolitical events would have taken place. Yeah. No, just Brandon, where are you at? Um, I'm in LA, Marina del Rey. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Never have to leave, fortunately. So, you know, I'm still here. I'm born and raised in Inglewood. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Where'd you get that shirt? Is another is an important another important question. <laughs> the shirt, dude. You know, I think my my one of the guys from the label Purple Labels Town, also uh, Marquise. He's uh one of the um the founders with me. I I stole it from him. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those outfits that you like. Oh, let me wear that shirt when we go out. And I just never gave it back. And I, not not intentionally, but you know how you do with your boys. Like, oh yeah, you can wear that. I just never stopped wearing it. It's a, it's a good one. It's appropriate because it's got all the purple in it as well. So. Yeah. Nice. Let's talk about purple. I'm so curious. Oh, I'm ahead, so curious how, this, how you all how yeah, you that was mine. Together, that was my question, too. What's up? I said that was my exact question, too. Yeah. I, I want to so know how, how I still don't understand how it all fits together, and it's yeah. so exciting. Honestly, we we met online, just mutual connections. We had mutual friends on there, and the – you know, we I, I respect respected and loved this stuff. And when I discovered Seven's music, we just I we connected, started chatting, and you know, it was like that we it felt like you know those kindred spirits, like we we spoke the same language from the same you know world, and it just it just worked. It was easy. Seven, you're also from Los Angeles, right? No, I was born in Texas, raised in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. But I lived in Los Angeles for a, a good amount of time. Yeah. Gotcha. I think when we first when we first met you, you were you were still out in LA. I feel like we met. We I remember met we met at a garden festival, right? That was yeah, the, that we was, met in Croatia. Yeah, I was. I think I was just about to move to London then, but I was wow. yeah I was in LA. I was in Glendale, LA. Yeah, but uh, Brandon, yeah, he hit me up and he was like so so kind and nice and. At first, I was like, "This is a setup. Like this, <laughs> nobody's like this." And then uh, we kept talking, and I was like, "Yeah, he's super cool." And it was like uh, we connected right away. And then he told me about Cornell West, and at first, I I think I was like, "What the hell?" Like Cornell West does music, and I love Cornell West. So it's it's just one of those situations where like you click with someone immediately. Yeah. I feel like when I met you guys, we just kind of like clicked immediately. I think we were in such a beautiful location at the time. It's hard not to make good friends out there in Croatia. But uh yeah, no, I feel you. So wait, so how and how does can we can we rewind back a little further? Like so Brandon is is Purple Label music is this is this your label founded with Cornell West or did he come into the picture later on? Yeah, so Cornell West we're doing a project with him. He's been uh, wow. a mentor, a friend of mine for years. I've been working with him for like maybe going on 13 years. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the label is collective and it's a, it's more, it's a label, but it's the idea. It's a movement. It's a, it's a cultural, yeah. it's going to be a cultural institution more than just, it's not just the label. I, it's, it's, it's hard to say that we're not just going to be putting our records. There's so many facets of it in so many ways that, you know, we're looking to create impact, you know? And yeah, I think we can talk about it now, but we will be doing a project with Dr. West. 
coming out soon. I don't know if, we, I don't know if I discussed that yet, but it's called House of West. Uh, yeah. That's going to be a project we're going to do um, in a new year. And he's super stoked and excited on dance music and the connectivity. He's, he's, he's brilliant because when I started talking to him about it, um, of course he heard about it, but we got into the, 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 the depth of, you know, the black tradition and music and the way he was able to connect um, I, I connect, you know, the black tradition with music and house music. It was just brilliant to see. I think I had a conversation with myself, him and Seth, Seth Foxer, um, one time, and we were all just blown away about what, how he was just making all the, the connections with the music. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, I think in this moment, it's, uh, I mean, this is something that I, I feel like dance music industry has had finally had some time to take get to take a step back and and look, take look at these perspectives and obviously with everything that happened here over the summer with the protests and just kind of being locked in and not being able to just go out and party and like actually having to think about this stuff it's been a i think really important time to to revisit this this history and this like culture of how electronic music how dance music was created by by you know marginalized people, by black people, by gay people in the United States, mm. and that how that's been so, I think, glossed over globally over the last decade plus of this commercial success of dance music. How it's almost been forgotten or not even realized by so many uh, you know people who've gotten into the music more recently. It's a really important time to dig back into this, and I think it's you know the timing is perfect for for Dr. West to to be involved and to make these connections that I think without his, someone without hit with, with his perspective has a unique, you know, opportunity to make. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that um, it's something that everyone needs, the world needs. Cause I think even amongst people of color, uh, many of us don't even know, you know, the real origins of it. And we look at it as something that's European and um, colonized per se. Um, people don't even know it's colonized, so they don't even know it came from us, you know? Uh, so uh, it's really interesting. Uh, but in, in, in not to take away from contribution from people from across the world, because I think, you know, it got to a certain place, absolutely. But there is something to be said about the people who are still doing it, the people who are trying to do it, and what the, and what, and how people market the music in a certain way when it can be, um, what it was supposed to be, you know. <laughs> I would say the dance community is one of the most inclusive communities I know, you know, and that's what has drawn me to it. So, and I think it's only been, uh, uh, you know, a victim of the unconscious bias that many institutions are. And I think that, um, but the dance community has a beautiful, a very beautiful opportunity to bring people together because music brings people together, the dance floor brings people together, and this is the perfect place to do it. Yeah, until until COVID, <clears throat> in which case you can't get on a dance floor together. <laughs> but the music yeah, I mean, spills, we can still speak through our music, absolutely. And the art, yeah. And I think that, um, um, you know, Dr. West said the condition of truth allows suffering to speak, and um, and and um, justice is what love looks like in public. And you have to use your art in a way that. Speaks. I think we've we've seen that over the centuries and the years. That's what music has all and art has always been a piece of political um, and civic engagement. And I think that when people say you know, the arts can stay in their lane, 
it's kind of like weird because that is literally the purpose of art and performing arts and music mm. and the creative arts That's from the time when you have Shakespeare and the Greek in the Greek theaters, mm. uh, you know, um, to um, the slave, the slave time when gospel music came about, they were talking about what was going on in their lives, the pain, um, the, the, the stylization of space and time, like, you know, that's, that's what it's about. So I think we're, I can't wait for this renaissance of music and art to come about in 2021. Is that a yeah. message that you receive a lot, Brandon, to stay in your lane? Not me. I mean, I brought this up in the beginning. Like this is like so many people say keep politics out of music, but like music has always been politics. Music Absolutely. has always been a response to culture. You know, I'm really curious, uh, seven, like your, your experience, like, you know, we've stayed, we, we met that one time, which is years ago now, but we've stayed in touch via email and like, obviously via listening to your music and like Absolutely. via your, your band camp, I've been able to kind of see, some of your journey kind of like from the outside, but you know, your music has become more and more personal, you know, from listening to it. That's like what I see, how have you developed as an artist, you know, in so many ways. And I'm really curious about your journey in electronic music and your journey as an artist and a person going through this. And also as a, as a, as a black person, you know, in a, you know, 10 years ago when you started really releasing music, there was not a lot of black Americans involved in this culture at all. Mm -hmm. Younger black Americans. I should say, involved in this culture at all. I mean, let's also preface by saying, you know, Seven Davis Jr., when we look at his discography, I'm like speaking like you're not even here. When we look at your, when, you know, looking at your discography, I mean, we are, I already know you as a prolific musician, but like, my goodness, like you are dropping album after album and each one has such a unique personality. Um, so I just, you know, want to let you know how like, exciting and refreshing it was to put together the run of show today and like enjoy so much of music of yours that i hadn't that i hadn't received yet so, thank you thank you yeah, no no doubt um i mean to sum it up like i came from gospel and jazz uh i originally wanted to be in the gospel music industry um and then as i got older it became you know pop r&b mainstream uh, and then after that, I went into more like underground hip hop and stuff. And um, at first, I didn't really get into house because I came from such like a song structure. And I remember the first time I heard house, I was like, what is this? Like, where's the song at? Because it was like instrumental house. Um, and then later in the Bay Area is where I got into house. Uh, I used to be in dance groups and some of the other dancers, we went out and uh, I think we went to an underground party in San Francisco where Mark Farina was playing nice. and Mark Farina was playing like, you know, his kind of hip hop jazzy stuff then. Oh, yeah. And that like caught my attention. And then I was obsessed after that. And um, I started putting dance music into my personal music, like R and B and stuff. But I was like, nobody would listen to this. Nobody's going to listen to R and B uh, house music fusion. Like what? Um, so I kept it to myself for a long time. Uh, and I still did like ghostwriting and ghost producing and stuff like that. And I would send my music out. I would just be like, here, you want to hear this? Listen, here, here it goes. So I sent one out. The song one is probably my most popular song. That's mm -hmm. one of the songs I just kind of sent around. And then I didn't check my email for like two years. Then I checked my email. And it was like all these people wanting to release music at the same time. 
And then next thing I know, I'm in Europe and um, yeah, it was really a shell shock. Like there was really, I did, it was a beautiful time. I met a lot of, I met a lot of great people that are still friends, but um, I went from being like an introvert to be in like a very extrovert situation. Um, so I did what I could. I signed a Ninja Tune. I, I did a bunch of releases. I signed a three album deal with Ninja Tune. And I ended up walking away from it. Uh, and the reason why is because it was a little bit, uh, I had been depressed leading up to that. And when all this happened, I put that on hold. So I was, you know, I did all this stuff in dance music while I was depressed. And I felt like I needed to go take care of that. But a part of that also was, it was kind of like, um, I came from Plur, peace, love, unity, respect. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Comes up on our show a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so when I went overseas, I was expecting this, like, lovey, you know, what I'm used to. And it was very politics. Like, I grew up in the hood, you know, and, like, there was a lot of, like, negative talk towards me. Like, stay in your lane. What do you think you're doing? Like, uh, you know, you should stick to singing R&B or you're not even, you should be here type of stuff. This is what you received overseas? Not, yes, you know, every now and then backstage. And I feel like uh, I got the stuff that normal DJs get. Like, I didn't like that you transitioned this song to that song. Or, hmm. Like, you know, just the normal <laughs> shit talk that you get. Um, so I love the audacity of, like, of this hater, like, coming to your show, finding <laughs> his way backstage, only to tell you, hey, I love your R&B, but why are you doing it on a house beat? <laughs> We've In all Europe. met that person, though. We've all met <laughs> well, I, I, I mean... I remember when we first were touring in Europe and playing slower music and playing a lot, you know, I, you know, playing more classic house and vocals and more R and B and playing like transitioning, like you said, we would there was there's so much hate in Europe. Europe they, they often just want want what they're comfortable with, and I guess anywhere as a DJ, you kind of go somewhere and they expect something, and when you throw that on the head, people get really upset. I think we sort of, Eli, well, we sort of thrived on on that hatred in Berlin, <laughs> especially being like Jewish DJs over there and like kind of like, you know, joking around the world. We're, we're back and we're making we're planning our flag for American music and, and people really received. I mean, we got yes, we got uh, popcorn thrown at us and I, bullshit thrown at us. But like, <laughs> you know, at the same with the same token, like we turned a lot of people on to a lot of great music, you know especially 70s, 80s, 90s, R&B, funk, soul, and this stuff as it's, you know, sort of in the, at like the core of our, our, our musical identity, you know, among other things. But, Two points uh, with that. One, one is that we were uniquely prepared to do that because we were playing house music and hip-hop clubs in Boston for like a true. decade. We got that hatred we as well. For playing house. Yeah, we would play house we at the hip-hop night. They're like, that's music. gay music. Yeah. <laughs> But, too, but I, I feel like in America, we're used to like playing different genres together, right? So yeah, that's kind of how I felt when I went overseas. Yeah. But yeah. just to kind of finish, like yeah. I had those experiences, but I also had a lot of beautiful experiences. Like I met a lot of beautiful people. There's a lot of beautiful people in Europe. Um, and my experience in the dance community was actually positive, regardless of what I just mentioned. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And when I, when I kind of took a step away, because I haven't really been around, I've kind of been active behind the scenes. It was really just to kind of take care of myself and practice self-care. And then um, I also wanted to record like different kinds of music, like you said, like uh, different genres. Uh, and at first I was worried like, oh man, I, if, 
if I get shit for playing like a down tempo song during a set, I'm gonna get a bunch of shit for like making a down tempo album. But I did it. There was a lot of support, and that was in 2016 when I kind of like took a step back. And now uh, it's beautiful because it feels like a lot of people are mixing like disco, house, trap. I saw a set where somebody played trap in between house music. So it's just different times. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to be here. Like, like I took care of all the stuff I needed to take care of, and, and now here I am. So was, you're you're putting out more, you're going to be putting out some new some new dance music, not just independently on your on your bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt like at first I was like, ah, oh, man, I took away, I stepped away, but it was like you need to take care of yourself. You know what I'm saying? And now mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I did all that stuff while I was depressed and had anxiety. Imagine what I can do now that all this stuff's behind me. So. Uh, and Brandon is a part of that. He was like, we need you to come. Because I I knew I was going to come you. back around and, and be more social, but I didn't know when. And then Brandon was like, we need you. We need you. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll do it now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I look, when, I, when I discovered Seven Music, you know, I immediately like this dude is a genius. And I just had to reach out and talking to him. He has, some, you know, I've worked with talent all my life, but you know, in addition to doing music, I've worked with like actors and artists and all these kind of influencers. So I understand, you know, people very well. And just talking to him as a friend, I'm like, this dude is just an artistic genius. You know, what he does with his music, and I was, um, and I was surprised when he agreed to, but you know, he um, agreed to do a remix for my song, got that hope with Cornell West, and um, it's such a banger. Uh, it's such can, we, a, can we can we bring that remix up? Should we play it now? It's great. Yeah, I mean, these are these are some world premieres sharing this. Yeah, we want to. We love this. We've had a few world premieres over the last couple months on the show. Yeah. So let's let's keep it rolling, Chris. Let's bring up the let's bring up Seven's remix. We didn't give our producer any any uh any warning. But here we go. Let's do it. He's quick. That's actually, no, that was Seth. We got there's two remixes. There's also one by Seth Troxler, which is actually how we got connected, right? Brandon was via, via yeah, yes, so yes. yeah, that's that's another. Yeah, great so I have a remix with Seth, a remix with Seven. Um, we can play both of them, but yeah, let's play Seven. Yeah, we can listen. Yeah, to let's, let's play that. Let's play that Seven one first since we're since we're talking about it, and uh, yeah, world premiere. premiere. <laughs> Thank you. 
It's actually super, really cool. Yeah, Seb, to hear kind of your production seven under somebody else's voice. You know, I'm so used to hearing your like it's it's so distinctive your beats, and I'm so used to hearing your voice. So it's really great to hear this other style, this other flow on top of your your beats. And you know, I also was reminded that you did this great remix of uh, Conclave Sunny earlier this year, which uh, I played a ton. I guess I got the promo while there were still parties because I'm. Ah, I'm yeah, Ribio from from Conclave and played that. Luckily, I got to play that a bunch before before quarantine because that's a really special remix as well. You you know you hearing your your production over somebody or under somebody else's voice is really a, a treat. I think. Yeah, and there's there's more. Oh, to yeah, come. thank you. Like that's something. <laughs> yeah, there's more to come. That's something I've always wanted to do. What uh, I guess the people I reached out to they didn't know how to like ride the beat or whatever. So like. <laughs> Uh, you know the universe works in crazy ways they're like now i'm meeting all these people that know exactly what to do you know we actually have artists so, an artist on our label yeah. um that we work with a lot called the illustrious blacks who are really exceptional duo from uh 
from Brooklyn and they are big fans and they would love for you to, coll- they would love to collaborate with you. So Ayo. we should try to make that happen as I well. Actually, I'm down. I, I was going to hit you up about that actually. Cause I think we, we, we started up in a while ago. History in the making folks. <laughs> yeah. You hit me up when I was just kind of like, yeah, I was taking care of personal stuff and, but yeah, I would love to, like I'm working with more people now and it's nice to, to be the producer for different voices, you know? You know, Seven, good for you for taking some time to focus in and, and work on yourself, man. Like this industry, especially living on the road, it can really like pull it out of you. And uh, it's really a sign of maturity that you would, would take a step back and, and, and build yourself up. That's like, uh, it's very, it's very good to hear. Congratulations. Yeah, you can't, you can't, I would say you can't get an empty cup, you know, you got to absolutely you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself and, you know, and that you can, you know, work on your life so you can get your life to the world. You know, totally. start working with this um, foundation. That's perfect. That's beautiful, Brandon. Yeah. I, think like, I think it's like, a, you know, it's something that's been talked about more and more in music and, and especially dance music, right, is mental health. And like, there's a yeah. number of organizations now trying to support musicians in mental health. But I still think it's not often and not often enough you hear stories of people taking that time and dealing with it. And then, you know, being able to stay with music and then come back and be more complete musicians and more complete people and be able to, you know, still participate in the culture. I think we like, we're guilty of some FOMO or some fear that like, if you take a step back, that the the wheels are going to stop turning of the engine that's pushing, you know, Oh, if I don't take all these gigs, they're going to go to someone else. I'm going to fall behind. Someone else is going to come ahead. But you know, what, what, like, like you said, Brandon, if you got nothing in the cup, what's, you know, you're, yeah. it's, it's gonna, it's gonna end much worse. Yeah, everybody has their time. Uh, like, I mean, I, speaking of a foundation, I work with a foundation called the Continuous Foundation, which mm. is one of those foundations that's focused on mental health for musicians and working artists and people who are on the road all the time um, and helping them bring some more diversity to what they're doing. Um, shouts out to them. But uh, you're right. Like, I took, I basically took five, 10 years off of doing music myself. Mm. And um, I did the whole R&B boy band, you know, group thing, toured and Black Hollywood thing, R&B thug role, you know, and um, went behind the scenes to, you know, work, work on, the, on, a, on the talent side for 10 years. And it was just recently with everything that's going on, I brought it back out of me and, it, and I jumped right into it right where I left off, you know, how it was supposed to be for me. Because back then I didn't know who I was, who I want to be. That I was in this group, but that wasn't me. You know, I was like, you know, it was kind of being like I was fitting into a box, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were fitting into this show to see Boys to Man, UK type thing. And obviously that wasn't where my heart was. You know, I was more of a I was more of a D'Angelo, that legend, Lenny Kravitz. My know? heart will always be with Jodeci, my friend. My heart will always be with Jodeci. <laughs> I was saying, but to that point, like all those things have have influenced my sound to this day. Like Jodeci, obviously, has been a huge influence on me, you know, but as far as like the brand of like who they are, like what they do, the sound wise, like, you know, um, Seven, I was talking about it, like my my crate of who I've listened to over the years is just immense, you know, from the gospel artists to the R&B artists, like the Jodeci's and KP's and Jodos, and we pull from those guys all the time um, because it's just in us. And that comes out in the music that we do today. 
probably that. To be honest, I'm feeling that little riff I do that got that whole day. Ah, this is probably Jody. That's probably Casey <laughs> right there. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess like you know, Jody. I mean, um, D'Angelo, John Legend, Lenny Kravitz. They're all you solo acts, you know. So yeah. maybe there's like what the is it is it working within a, a group of singers? Is that is that where the conflict was? I think, um, you know, black music is not a monolith, as we know. Um, there's not a specific sound, and it's just like black people politically and culturally are not a monolith. Mm. Um, so, and I think people just think like, oh, that's black music, and I think that's what we're talking about right now. Black is not just hip hop, you know, not just R and B. He, as you guys know, has different sectors of soul. You know, like, um, you know, Summer Walker is different from. Erica Badu, you know, and you know, um, you know, whoever City Girls is different from uh, fucking No Name or whoever, you know, No Be whoever, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps, you know. So, and we have different areas of who we are, and you know, I've always been drawn to the more soulful side of you know R and B, um, more than more than the Chris Browns, more than the the Ray J's and Esther, who I love. I think they're good performers, but I was always on the other side, more D'Angelo, Rafael D five. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned like D'Angelo and Robbie. Like these are kind of like more like, I guess like the the art the artists or like you know what I'm saying. Like they're the ones who are writing. You think of as like taking their own path, writing the music, not worrying about the pop hits. Right. Um, right. you know, I feel like that was that was kind of that came after like the Jodeci and the boy bands that we were right. that we loved so much in the early '90s. But then right. with this new strain and like Erica Badu also, you know, it fits in that to me, right? Like, well, and I've, and I've always been a very, I'm not a, I'm a, you get to, if you get to know me, I'm a very, much, I'm very both and person, you know? So my freshman year of high school, my favorite, my favorite three people artists were Erica Badu, Lauren Hill and Misty Elliott. Oh, yeah. All three very different artists, yep. you know? So like, that's how varied I am when it comes to my music. So you would, you know, I, and I don't like to put into boxes. So, even with the house music I do now, I, I, I believe that what I do kind of has an underground thing. And I come from that world, those are the things I'm actually in, like before I even doing music in the past years, those are the things I'm in. But I don't mind doing something more all electronic. I don't mind doing something a little bit more radio friendly because it's sometimes it's dope. Sure, for sure. You had a, such a great, Brandon, such a great performance for a Rave the Vote. I, I like pulled a couple of timestamp <laughs> moments from that performance. One sure. one of which was this incredible cover you did of Sade, which was super dope because I'm a fan of her of her catalog. Yes. And then I don't know the name of the of the other one you did, but it's the is it I don't know if it's an original track or not, but you're like kind of sit down on a stool and start singing. So I, I don't know what which what the name of the song was, but I those are two moments that I, I thought we could bring one of those up and watch one of your performances. It's pretty thank you, man. So the, the, the latter one you mentioned was a cover that was also a cover. Okay. I, I, I'm a, this is just, I'm, this is me pulling in my, my crates, not only as, a yeah. DJ, as an artist, um, it, the, the track is the George Bork track, yours born. Okay. Um, it's called Ringo, I believe. And then, and I sang a song called, um, I have faith by black coffee over the track. Ah, so okay. Black coffee song. <laughs> You're mashing it up. I just mashed it up and Brandon Lucas way. <laughs> So let's uh let's take a look at that. This is the um Chris. That's um uh that is I titled it Faith, and that's at the 19 minute 
22nd mark. That's pretty profound. <laughs> Let's see, take a look. Yeah, I, I just kept that saying on that one. <laughs> Have you like? Do, do you find like doing covers is a is a way for you to explore how these these kind of sounds and your your roots can then be reinterpreted? And yes, bro, I'm doing a lot of that actually. Um, I'm doing a lot of that. I just take house music tracks and flip them to R and B. I take R and B track and flip them to house. Um, I got a I got a track I did of Eric Prince I flipped recently too. You hear? <laughs> Cause I was born a sorrow. Yeah. If it wasn't for my people, I'd be done. Cause I was born a pain. Gotta hit that fan. I love it. Hey, gotta do it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> MJ moment. I also get see. I get some steel vibes here on this on this performance. You getting the feels? Steel, steel, steel. steel. Oh, steel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steel. Hey, shouting out, Lewis. What's up, man? Damn band in the house. Detroit. It's good. Got the juice, Brandon. Man. Yep. As um, man. Okay, Ryan. You know, live. <laughs> we got two days to do it. 
Hey, it looks great, man. The camera, the, you know, from this yeah, side of the camera, it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah great performance. Uh, me, uh, that's the that's the four or five years of R&B group training. <laughs> You're professional. <laughs> that's, that's the pick it up, and that was in two days. That that's what you see. That's the that's the product of that in the house music form and an electronic song. There you go. Sure. I think that's something that's kind of been you know it's been missing from uh from from dance music you know a lot is that like showmanship performance mm. like you know obviously there's there's been you know big acts on DJs doing live things on bigger and bigger stages over the last decade um, but you know often it's studio producers or just DJs who are then like just trying to find ways to have shows or maybe you know playing like live like like live synths and stuff is interesting but it's, it doesn't have that same showmanship of actual an actual performance True. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're gonna get there that you know we're here now I'm here. you know like yeah back <laughs> back in the day you'd have like byron stingley cc yeah. roger cc uh, rogers and all yeah, these, these guys that are like really belters you know um and i think that's that's a good point eli there's not uh so much uh seal new new yeah seal but that's also the 90s you know yeah like there hasn't been that many new new names new faces to to the genre that are that are also possessing that kind of showmanship for sure yeah we'll get back to it you know i'm, I'm going to be doing the dj sets and all that beautiful stuff um um just like seven seven's an amazing singer as well um and you know we're going to make it a point to bring it back to the underground the right way in a way, and because I think that a lot of music is um, has, if we if we can like step outside of that that box and you know and do more you know original vocals, I think there's a world we can open up dance music to the world to different markets, not only just people of color who are receiving more, but the ladies, man. Like we gotta go to a lot of these shows, and it's nothing but it's like a lot of like the dudes, great, love you guys there, but if you go to you go to a Kygo show, you go to a Rufus Day Soul show, all the ladies. <laughs> so, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, that's always like, uh, gets a, that's a fine line. You know, you want to make sure that you have got a, an audience that's got an, you know, equal demographic going. I mean, that's always I think that's a joke, Eli. We used to make, you know, uh, back in the day. You don't want to end up with a with a crowd that's just all dudes. <laughs> no, as, as a DJ, it was always like you. You, you often like you. You'd end up at, at parties, or you like you don't want to end up at the party where it's, the front row is all dudes, right? You yeah, want you that don't want that. Because <laughs> if girls are happy, then dudes will be happy. You know? Right, right. <laughs> and, and there's some areas of house music that are more, you know, that guys are more drawn to the harder shit, I guess, and the more sure. underground stuff. But I think it's creating a space and creating the, you know, there's certain key things that, you know, I, I feel that most women, uh, most women need to kind of like receive like, oh, this is hot. Cause I know a lot of girls who are in the techno. I know a lot of black women who are in the techno, who are young girls, who are young ladies. Um, but I think, but when you add that extra element, um, and I think we're, we're starting to open it up. What, what kind of like, Drake has been doing what the weekend has kind of been doing with uh, with Black Coffee, and there's certain like artists who are bringing that lane of like oh making certain deeper sounds more digestible to the mainstream. I think we're getting so that maybe has has created opportunities where these sounds are now. Yeah, I mean, go go ahead, Zach. Oh, Seth. 
Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, Honey Jazan did something. Can you hear me? Sure. You were good. Yeah. Um, I was, I mean, I also think it's like so much about dance music also in this conversation. I was just like anti, like trying to make sure that we don't get too many bros involved. Like as it got, the music has gotten so popular, right? It's gotten broed out often. Like this moment when you're having, when the parties feels like it's, it's like in a really nice, beautiful vibe. And then all of a sudden there's like five bros in the middle of the dance floor, like <laughs> up and down. <laughs> And you're like, look, it's, I want it to be inclusive, but it's th that honestly to me makes me feel unsafe almost, you know, it's like, and I could see how like, you know, for, for a lot of folks, if you're next to them on the dance floor, trying to do your thing, that's like a, a very aggressive action to be faced with on the dance floor. So I think it's really trying to make sure that there's like dance floors are, are very safe and like people can feel very comfortable to be themselves, whatever that is. It's such an important piece of this dance music as well. And that's like, as it's gone from underground to mainstream, it's something that's not always, you know, maybe wasn't naturally addressed, right? You know, when you're going from a 50 person basement where everybody there knows why they're there and understands and was brought, you know, either really cares about the music or was brought by a friend who does and kind of understands what's going on. It's very different than a 50,000 person festival where it's just, you know, people going because they see a name on the flyer, you know, like there's a big, piece of this like education and and like community building that that has to happen so everybody can feel safe Truth. and and you know but both for uh, really you know because of whatever it is a part of your identity what, what are you were you talking about sorry i bounced for a second you're trying to say that all right you were talking about honey dijon seven and then uh and then a cutout Oh, I was saying Honey Dijon. You guys are talking about crossover, and Honey Dijon True. did the thing with Madonna, Lady Gaga, Kate Trinata, uh and Dua Lupia. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, Honey's just she's been having just starting just to cross crazy crossover, and that's been so exciting to watch personally because I think she does such a great job of keeping the tradition of Chicago house alive and keeping you know all of that body of music. And, and presenting it in a way that is very contemporary as well as mixing in some of like, you know, she does a lot with acapellas and tools, bringing in a lot of, you know, also contemporary pop music into the, into the fold, which I think is, uh, which is, it can be done very poorly and she does very well. <laughs> I agree. You know, I think, I think it's about, and it's a lot about the music and how, and you have to still have, a level of because I, I I mean I can be called a house music snob. You won't find me on certain stages and certain shows, um, but I still respect you know certain genres when it's good, you know. Yeah. And, yep. and to that point, I think that it, it is about the music, but it's also about the vibe, man. Like like you said with the girls, like I think it's um you got to create the space, you know, because because uh, house music and music in general is all about community and about connecting as well. Hopefully we get back to that soon. But you know, it's about you know when, when I listen to the music, where am I? Who am I with? Who's there? It's like that. It's that feeling as well. So yes, we have to be you know in tune to the music. But I think there's a place for you know the festivals when you see a name like a part of creating your brand and creating who you are. It's like oh, this person name on the lineup. Hopefully that person has has good music. But there's other another part to it. Like you know this person is going to bring this type of vibe. You know this person will bring this type of energy in the room. And that's why people go to shows. And that's why some people win when their music is not that great because they are heavy on that side. 
you know, when, but you're going to get the over there, but I'm just saying that's why, why some people went on that I'm trying to digest that because I think like, yeah, I, you know, I, personally as a, no, as a musician, I don't like it when I don't, I don't know if I, if I, let's see. I guess the part that's harder harder for me to swallow is like the artist and the brand winning when the content is diluted. I hate it. I mean, it's true. You're right. I mean, like you, you said, it's hard for you to swallow. Like, I'm not saying you don't like it. <laughs> I, not, you know, not saying <laughs> it's thing. That just is what it is. You know. Uh, yeah. So I saw that. I saw that a lot. Where it's like, for example, I'm an introvert. So my my chatty game, unless I know you, is not always the, the best, right? Mm -hmm. But I've experienced people that are that have a good mouthpiece to build this kind of uh, hype from that instead of their music. Mm -hmm. So you know, and I'm not hating at all, but I, I've seen a lot of artists that a bunch of people come to their shows because they've chatted it up at after parties, or they've mm -hmm. schmoozed, no pun intended. To where everyone's like, hey, this guy was a great person, and these people are da 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 da. But uh, you know, and in my case, like I, I have to rely, which is not a problem. That's what I do. Rely on being creative. But it's like, if I had to like charm my way to people, like you know, for so for artists that are just like maybe introverted and more about the music. You get what I'm saying? Like, uh, totally. if I if I had a mouthpiece and I just like hypnotized everyone to thinking that I was this great person, then of course maybe I'd have more people at the show. But uh, yeah, what yeah, I'm saying awesome. is, like, artists like me, or we have to just like rely on the on the talent and on the work. I think it's right. and also the brand and the, this is not. I like also like the bookers and the people that push in the place. So if you're if you're like I think it's the bookers and the agents and the people who can put those people in place who have the good music and you put that in front of the fans, the fans will love it instead of relying just on the hype. You know, I think it's also also a part of it because you put your friends in like, oh, I like this guy. I'm gonna put this on this I'm on this lineup. You know, that's a part of it doing that fusion, that kind of fusion. You know? I think it's yeah, I think it's uniquely difficult in dance music, right? Because it's it's so much of it is the music is experienced in the club, right? So right. it's it's uh, the social aspect is a big part of it, and if you're you know, good at the social side. You know, there's so many artists we, we've seen like do so, DJs we've seen do so well in dance music because they're really good at the social side. Mm -hmm. And so many producers who make amazing music that maybe have never, have always kind of bubbled underground because they never were great performers or they didn't do that. They, you know, they didn't do the schmooze. And so this is something unique with dance music, but also, you know, I would, I would also go a step further and say like, there's a lot of this, like this, uh, uh like kind of boys club right that we that maybe the the doors have started getting broken down a little bit now but like you mentioned you know like i'm friends with this with this producer we hung out an after party i'm gonna put him on my label or i'm gonna put him this white guy on my label i'm gonna put this white guy on my on my lineup and this is how it's been kind of over and over again and that's gotten us to this point that got us to this point of like a very white very male dominated uh music like industry and dance music and i think you know, finally, over the last few years, there's there's been a more equality in, in women coming out and, and DJing and having like successful careers and putting out music. And now I think it's like, how how do we now expand that to, you know, to black artists, to people of color, 
who maybe have not had the same access to the managers, to the agents, to the boys club over the last years, you know? And I think you, you maybe saw that firsthand, Seven, um, in your experiences. Well, I mean, I do want to, I, what I saw, honestly, I, I always felt like the politics were too much. Like, yeah, it didn't even have to be reality. If like one person said this person sucks live and then they go to another party and repeat that, all of a sudden it becomes a wildfire. It's like saying Eli's beard is a weave. And then somebody Eli, goes what? to another party and says, Eli wears a weave for beard. And then it, Dude, if it and turns it out that it's been a weave all, all this of a time. Sudden you've got all these people saying. <laughs> yeah, and then Brilliant. all of a sudden you got all these people saying Eli's beard's a weave and it's not. Obviously. Uh, but anyways, this whole situation, like people can't play the politic game anymore. We're all at home. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. kind of like people are forced to kind of be real. But I do agree with you, Eli. I absolutely love that there's so many like uh, female DJs and artists coming to the front. Like, I love it. I think not just because like they're beautiful, you know, inside it out. And it doesn't I'm not even like talking about their physical character. I'm just like there's some really beautiful personalities are coming in. And then the music that they're selecting is like. Like there's a lot of DJs that could put a lot of female DJs that could put male DJs to bed. I agree. And I just love the new energy. Yeah, it's new perspectives. New perspectives, man. I mean, that's I think that's if anything that helps push music forward, push culture forward is is being more inclusive and allowing new perspectives in. And like, you know, part of that is like kind of democratization of the technology that allows the entry point to be so much lower now to be able to make music and be able to DJ. I think it's you know really powerful positive thing um but that's how culture moves forward right is more more people being able to participate um to bring these new authentic voices into it i, I think this like I, I recognize a segue and if you don't mind i want to throw it in there and that's seven like you've kind of emerged in my eyes as a curator recently um and i wanted to to just speak a little bit about secret angels and talk about like what's going on there and and uh you know if we go to your band camp you've you've got some artists prominently featured there including honey dijon including a band called cave circles which is like really interesting this is a collaboration with a group from new zealand that you met on your travels which is super interesting and super awesome music and um there's another black genius which seems like another collaboration like has this been happening on the in the sidelines or what's going on there well i mean when i moved back to the states i wanted to start a label just to kind of give people like me or you know people that i i believe in a chance um so i just started working on it um I started out by releasing my own next releases after that to kind of get the label going. And then now I'm at a place where now I can start to release other people, but it's like a label slash collective, like honey's on there because at one point we were talking about, we had a group called the beautiful children. That's kind of, you know, bubbling, but we were going to do something there, but it, honey's there. Cause you know, it's like a support system. Cave circles. I met um, when I was touring in New Zealand and uh, he's a mutual friend of um, it's Cave Circles, Electric Wire Hustle, Fat oh, Freddy's Drop, like all the nice. New Zealanders. Yeah, uh, they're just one big cir circle, and uh, 
they've always been like brothers to me. They've always been kind. And Cave Circles is a genius. I've always wanted to release music of his. So uh, he's been working on the album that just came out for like the last four years. Wow. And he want, at first it was like bangers, like club bangers. And I was like, man, just like, just be yourself, you know, because he's like a jazz drummer. He plays almost every instrument. I was just like, do whatever you want. It doesn't have to be club music. Um, and then uh, the other guy, Thrills, he hasn't released music yet, but he makes like great house music and is a phenomenal DJ. Black Genius is actually uh, me and this uh, singer named Silka was a group that we had in LA a long time ago. And uh, we were going to put out a record, but then we started, uh, we kind of put that on hiatus to work with Shafiq Hussein on his last mm -hmm. album, The Loop. Mm -hmm. And she actually finished that album. And then um, I actually left and ended up going. That's when I went to Europe and kind of did my own thing. And that's where I met you guys. So Black Genius was kind of the group that we had before all that. And yeah, with the label, I just want to like, you know, put out music from people that I like. There's no pressure. It's not like I'm telling them what to do. It's just we put it out. Um, I only take 10% of the releases. Um, and I just really want to like see these people succeed, you know? I love your authenticity, Seven. Like, you're not about the hype. You're not about the rush. You're not about the hustle. You're just about quality. And I just, I, I, just, I respect that a lot. Maybe we could take a listen to this Cave Circles. Um, the, the, the title track, Ships, is awesome. It, it also features Silka, this collaborator you mentioned on vocals. And it's a, it's a beautiful piece of music, maybe. Oh, 
Yeah, man, I've been missing uh, Electric Wire Hustle. They had such a great wow. album. Wow. <laughs> and they have, I mean, this, that, that, I guess that's like kind of their, there's like a collective out there that kind of all, all, our, all our homies and do music together. Is that the deal? So cool. Yeah, they're like a big family out there. They all live like near each other and everything. So good. She's got that real like neo soul kind of 90s persona it sounds like on that track too silka that's what a voice amazing voice. yeah she's got an album in like a film coming out wow yeah I mean, I'm and she's a los angeles based artist or also from new zealand new york oh, oh okay. cool look forward to hearing more of her voice in general. Um, Seb, there was a few other things I wanted to touch on from from uh, from your catalog too of albums that I had just like completely lost track on because you've been dropping them like like uh, hot cakes. <laughs> the truth is, you've been sleeping on Bandcamp, dog. I've been sleeping on. No, well, I found all this stuff in your Spotify, and there's an out. Al- there's I think this is the album. <laughs> SOS. Into it on Spotify. SOS on Bandcamp. So all right, so go on your band. If you go on, if you're following them on Bandcamp, this album SOS, it just sounds like some real like serious Motown going on. It's like this washed out reverb on almost every track. And I just want to talk, you know, I was wondering about some of your production techniques and like, like what, like you've, you've really kept this like real raw and uh, saturated, dirty sound. I, I don't exactly know my question, but uh, I wanted to kind of like touch on some of that music and maybe either listen or just like hear what was going on <laughs> in your head. At, Cause like, I'm trying to paint this picture together, like this transition from traveling abroad to moving back to rediscovering yourself and experimentation it's like some really interesting music to listen to well i mean sos is like so before i even got in the house i was like kind of the only singer and a bunch of underground rappers uh i would do hooks and stuff um and then uh so sos is kind of like my underground hip-hop uh, slash Motown album, which I've always wanted to do something like that. And when I, I first of all, like I love dance music, but I needed a break. God damn it! Like my ears needed a break. Like I've always been an artist. I've always been a music listener that just likes different kind of uh, textures, you know. 
And so when I had time from touring and I was working on myself, I was listening to Motown a lot. Mm. Uh, and it was just soothing me. It's like what I needed to hear. So I became obsessed with Motown and that's where that reverb came from. Cause I realized yeah. like a lot of those Motown songs, reverb was kind of the only thing they had, right? <laughs> as far as effects. Did you ever make so it, it to the, everything. did you ever make it to the studio in, uh, in Detroit? No, I wish. I wish. I, I, that's a place I want to go. Like when everything is open up again, there's so many places I want to go. For and sure. that's one of them, you know? So like, but in um, the in, SOS in the album is just. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to sorry, throw in there. That, what were you saying? Yeah, there's a little lag there. I want to throw in like when you go into Motown Studios and, and you walk into Studio A as part of the tour, they show you that above in the ceiling, there's a hole cut out in the ceiling that it allows the sound to reverberate out of the attic and that's like positioned over all the microphones so when you have the singers and when you have that motown reverb it's really just the sound bouncing around the attic above studio a so i think that's like that's really i i just was really fascinated how how the role that 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 reverb plays in the album yeah it sounds beautiful and like it was just me. Honestly, like I got over my depression while I made that album. I was going to therapy and I was just like, you know, it, it had been a year. I've been doing it since 2016, but 2019 is when it really like came in and I was starting to figure things out and like get over it. And the last song on that album is called Depression. Well, I just forget that's supposed to be like a bonus track, but the last song, Depression, I wrote like right after I was like, you know what? I feel like I've made it over this. But that album was just me like, you know, as an artist, there's other things I want to express. Like up until then with the house music, I've just kind of been like, I love you. You're beautiful. We're in love, you know, kind of keeping it in certain subjects. And like, I didn't feel like I could make a house song where I'm talking about, you know, how sometimes artists feel invisible or uh, I'm depressed, you know what I'm saying? And like we weren't yet in that place where everyone was so accepting of depression. Like right now, everyone's like, "Oh, you're de you're depressed. I feel for you," which is good. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to like pay respect to my underground, uh, down tempo, uh, you know, origins, and that's what that album was. And I feel good about making it. Like some people, you know, in the dance community were like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> but the people that support me know by now that, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of everything, you know? Can we take a listen to Gang Stalkers? Because that, that, that track is really interesting. What, what, what is the uh, song about? It's about gang stalking, which is <laughs> some people don't believe that ex exists. Oh, no. Oh, I'm so curious, too. Well, let's play the song while we wait for Seven to come back in. Gang stalker. Come on, let's just be friends. Cause you follow me, follow me anyways. Yeah, you follow me, follow me every day. Gang, 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 stalker. Gang, you ain't my enemy. 
you follow me, follow me every day. Yeah, you follow, you follow my everything. You follow me, follow me, follow me. You follow me first. And so I followed you, followed you, followed you. And oh, what I've learned. Oh, what I've learned. You put your creep hat on, creep around my grandma's house. I put my detective hat on and sat in front of your house. You put your left hand in, I found your whole shit out. And now you play it the victim. Hey, what's that about? Get it, stalker. Come on, let's just be friends. Cause you follow me, follow me anyways. Yeah, you follow me, follow me every day. I shouldn't be laughing because this is subject matter is fucked up, but I that's genius, man. That's <laughs> amazing track. What a it's concept. a true story, actually. It's a true I was story. afraid of that. Uh, well, I mean, if you if you Google gang stalking, it's a form of community harassment. If you look up the YouTube, that song's on YouTube, and there's a bunch of other people sharing their experiences in the comments, which is like amazing. I didn't expect anybody to be interested in that song because like it's such a it's such a fringe subject. But uh, yeah, I went through the situation where for whatever reason I had people, I guess, community harassing me. And, you know, when I say like came to my grandma's house, like these people had come to my grandma's house and slipped my tires. And, what? And and then I ended up finding out where they lived and then kind of like scoped up because like people who know me like I'm a. I'm kind of a wild card, like I'm maybe five eight or whatever, but I grew up in the hood, so it's like, and I'm an Aries with like a Leo moon, so it's like when you get me going, like I'm going. So like I found out somebody was at my house, so I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna go to your house. Uh, I'm laughing because I, I used just to date an Aries. It's <laughs> fiery. Yeah, I just wrote a song about it, and yeah, that's what it. That's what it was. That that album is just me like getting things off my chest. That I it's an incredible to album. So man. <laughs> it's incredible. Thank you, bro. <laughs> oh man, well, that's fucked up, though. That's fucked up. I mean, life is fucked up, but you know, it's all good. Yeah, I think that's that's. I mean, that's something that you bring up that, like, you can't talk about that shit on a house beat. People in the, people are in the club and they they want to they want to feel good, right? It's like there's not a lot of that that darker side expressed um although you know there are there are moments there have been moments especially i think there a lot of this this earlier chicago house had a darker side to it um for sure a lot of these kind of more more meaningful uh i don't want to say not not meaningful as a fair because happy larry's can also be meaningful but like some more kind of ominous situations playing out in the lyrics Sorry, say it again, Brandon. No, okay. no I'll say most of the music I have done in the back so far that's been released, it, they do have a, a kind of darker side to them, even though they're house records or electronic records. Um, that, I think I just I just put that because of what, what the time we're in and what I was feeling about what I was feeling to create at the moment. Um, I did a um, cover of Is My Living in Bang, a Clark Sisters gospel group that's coming out soon. Oh, yeah. And that's a Deep House cover. And then I have another record with Dr. West that's you know, about 
their pain. You know, like there's just like um, most of them. Even though it, it, your death, you can dance to it. I think it's about. I, I've had some of my best moments in, in, in at music shows or festivals when I feel I'm dancing on a dance floor and that one vocal come out. I'm just like, yes, and I feel the spirit. And honestly, I felt I felt the music that I was most drawn to at my at my immediate at my initial introduction to house music back in like 2010 or something like that um, was music that had kind of a a heartstring to it a little bit, to be honest. Because mm. um, I wasn't the first, yeah, I, I was aware of techno house music before that, but I got into the scene in more of the um, listening to like the uh, Dead Mouse and like Above and Beyond and like, you know, some of the, um, some of those records that records, like they got songs that are like, dude, they're, they're like in praise and worship right now. So, you know, uh, you know, um, and I mean, I got to the more underground stuff like shortly after, but that was my introduction. Like, listen to how the core progressions that were used. I think music is sonically, like sonically, music does something to you. It makes you feel certain emotions, and that's why gospel music you hear a lot of the same chords at the end of the gospel sermon, at praise and worship at the beginning of the of the of the of the, of the um, service. You know, there's certain chords that songs use to really get people into the spirit. And I think that do the same thing. And I'm kind of, and I find myself being um, conscious of that when I'm creating music about what vibe I want to create. And that's the kind of chords and music I, that I push out there, even though, even though it might be at that time. For sure. Are you, are you hit, Brandon? Do you, do you listen to Louis Vega at all? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Louis, you know, Louis got a great, I mean, he's got, you know, he's made so much music. But uh, there's one cut, this song, Dance, which is the one, three wine ins in the Clark Sisters. My favorite song. Such, okay, wicked. Three wine ins. Yeah, uh, this is a great fusion. He's a gym homie of mine. We always get on each other and push each other. Around, but, uh, wicked. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that song, that dance, make yep. me. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's in my crates. That's definitely my crates. Okay, wicked. I also I also started thinking about after we after we were talking about more darker lyrics. I mean, we actually had this track called called Lonely Sea, which mm, was what? like Charlie's kind of like Charlie kind of expressing those feelings of being on the road and feeling very lonely and depressed. Kind of um, like like in yeah, her, I was in completely movie. fucking depressed when I wrote that. Right. <laughs> that was one of like, that was one of our initial songs that helped like propel us to people to like to people knowing us. Was maybe because we did this take at that time uh, uh, on house music that was much more moody and and introspective. Yeah, so I think it happened for sure. What happened? No, like like there are house music songs over the years that have been more introspective, more moody. Absolutely, especially on the electronic side. And I think that's why there's you know I, I can't see myself being put into a box just like house, but like electronic in general where. Right. Some songs you might vibe to, you might not be dancing, but you're gonna vibe to, you know. Um, I think a lot of seventh music is like that too, as well. I mean, I think is, is seven getting his is his mic a little screw, screwy? Yeah, we're getting some weird interference. It's all good. I think that, like, you know, just like any music, any songwriter can run a range the gamut of Mountain emotions. Wi-Fi. Oh, sorry, go ahead, seven. Mountain Wi Fi. Oh, gotcha. Mountain Wi-Fi. Yeah. No, um, Billy Wi-Fi is messing up. But you know, messing up. I, 
I feel like from like a songwriting perspective or a music creations perspective, like, you know, joy, uh, religion, uh, depression, uh, uh, and different life is difficulties. These are the motivators for songwriting and depression. I mean, depression creation. Um, and I think that around the lonely sea time, um, you know, these, uh, depressing, depressing thoughts that I was having in my head. I found that when I dove into them, the outcome would be songwriting or music that I was really proud of. So, you know, I, it took me a while, um, of kind of keep pushing on that painful button um, over and over again, because I was very, I, I was very um, driven to continue creating. And that seemed to be my sort, the source of inspiration for me. Um, and it wasn't until years later that I realized that that was only one, one facet of, of my ability. Uh, so that I, you know, I don't know if, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, is that like I feel as though as long as it's whatever the songwriting is is authentic mm-hmm. that I think that that translates yeah, into something that's a successful piece of music. Right. I think a lot of a lot, a lot of DJs and producers these days they you know they take a sample and just because it's cool and it's hot like oh that's a cool gospel sample but they're mm. not understanding what it means what what and i think when you come from that place of like i'm feeling this way i'm going to use this sample if, if it's a sample or original or whatever but you're using the sample because it's talking about i got joy or this or that like if you're really in it as opposed to like it's just cool it comes from a different place i think um, totally i think you have to i think it, you feel that when someone leads with that with their music it's so apparent you know it's so apparent if it's like they just think if it's a, if it's a sound a cool banger as opposed to like they really felt that when they created that. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> you know? right. And it could be it doesn't have to be a sad song. It could be a happy song. It could be a song about love. You know when someone really went through that and really felt that. You know. I think that that's like we we were talking about that when we were kind of chatting before the show. Um, about appropriation and uh, how you know taking taking these samples out of context that you know at least it's very important to to have an understanding of of the content that you're sampling you know before you just kind of go and misconstrue the message of the music and as we're like in this because like we've uh, well i mean I, i guess we've all been in in the music industry for a long time eli and i have been around since you know like Bit, look, the samples have been used, and now, twenty years later, there's new music that's sampling the song that sampled the song. You know what <laughs> I mean? But like, you know, whatever the whoever sampled the song, you know, they cut out, you know, everything but this. Now, the new guys that are sampling or new girls, the sample is even less content, so you're getting even less meaning and even less of the original vibration, which is kind of like resulting in this new culture of watered down sample based music. I don't know if you guys are experiencing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see. I do agree with you on a lot of levels, but then there's also always like creative moments when this thing, when it's like unaware moment, like you know, unaware of of the history of the sample. And there's still an amazing way that something is unlocked, you know, from one of these classic samples or from a sample of the sample that creates something new 
and powerful that somehow taps into that original spirit. And that happened, right? It's like it's not just house music that's doing that though. I think yeah, no, I need like any kind of music. R and B hip hop is doing that a lot yeah. too. It might be a Tory Lanez and the Chanty are flipping old school songs, but they do it in a way where they take the sample and then they might use the word, but they create a whole new song around it and create new words or new context around that hook as opposed to like taking it down all the way. It's interesting. I mean, it's also like, do you have to understand or do you have to know the original song? Do you have to understand the original context in order to make a meaningful song no. samples it, right? Like part of the beauty of sampling is sometimes you don't. Is your book fully ignorant? And you make, well, your, yeah, you I make guess, your own thing from it, yeah. I guess the problem with that, though, is that, like, then you run the risk of taking something out of context completely, like, uh, you know, sampling a gospel record, and then, like, you know, and, and this could become offensive to the, or, to the originator, you know? Well, this is why it's so important to license, like, and especially in this time, right, where we're dealing with so many musicians who have no way of making a living, that, like, this is not a time to release, you know, songs with samples without crediting the original artist, right? One, because it gives the original artist a chance to approve or disapprove of your use of their sample. And then two, because musicians need, 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 need money right now. I mean, you know, everybody needs to survive on all levels, I think. So this is something that I think has become super accessible, super acceptable. And like, we're also guilty of this, of releasing just like, just using samples over the years and i think it's 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 important to, to think about it you know as as an artist using samples like what are you doing and how can you contribute to the history not just take it and use it as your own thing for your own benefit i think yeah. that that's what, what my point was which was putting a little bit more thought into it but i guess you're right that like there does come some magic of sometimes when you're ignorant to to the rules you can kind of create something interesting and new right and i think I, that's why i fell in love with house music and dance music in general i was able to hear those moments and i actually was excited when i would hear a gospel riff or gospel sample or a chord progression that i know came from somewhere and like it connected me to the music but me to be 100 after a while it was like after the 100th time it's like Who's doing this? Like, it's like some random white guy from Newcastle, you know. <laughs> like, and it's great. It, it, I loved it. But after a while, it's like, why aren't my people like putting out the music benefit from this? Or why aren't we doing it? Like, it's our music, you know. I mean, it's music is for everyone, but, but at at the end of the day, it just kind of got like, okay, like, <laughs> like especially when it got to the '90s stuff. At first, it was like it was for a lot of gospel things, but then it got to like start sampling brandy. Now that's my music. That's what I grew up on. Like, what? you know, like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Now we get into like '90s and 2000s. Hold up, let's slow down. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess it's difficult because it's like, who's going to be the who's who's the judge here? You know, like who's who's passing the judgment of what's okay and what's not okay? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I might hear something and be like, wow, that's a really creative way to use that, and then I'll hear someone else do something that's maybe much more obvious, and I'll be like, why are you? why are you touching this very obvious sound, you know? And and because something is very obvious and popular, maybe that translates into a lot of people appreciating it, appreciating it because it's something that people know. But to me, maybe it was like too obvious. Like I don't, I don't play with that one. You know what I mean? Right. But too, too obvious to you because you're, you're from a generation before that song was already a hit. Whereas somebody right. who's using like, it never heard that, never heard it before. There, there are people who listen to it and never heard it before. 
That yeah, but there's, there's not a DJ to like take a song like uh, to me like you know I'm you know there's a lot of kids younger than me who don't who are like oh I think I know who Brandy is I think I know who Monica is I think I know who you know these you know R&B '90s stars who were gods to me you know right. uh, goddesses to me so when I but they will take a track they would take a next track like a R and B group track. Next. And literally, it literally changed like it'll be the like same. the R and B group next. Yes, yeah, yeah. And they'll change it. They'll create a house music sample on it, but then the, but they'll take the name and change the name of the song, so it's totally different and on a face is unidentifiable from the group next, like unless you know the sample. Right. So they'll take too close and they'll call it close, not close enough. Or something. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like okay. And yeah. like Eli and I would probably look at that and be like, why are you sampling too close? Like that's like the most you can't obvious sample. That's the most obvious. But you're totally right, E, because I remember when we were doing like some roller skating party, and I think we were talking to Louie or something and be like, Can you play this record and that record? He's like, Oh, you would never play that record in a roller skating rink. But to us, like it was like, you know, of the similar generation or like sonically something. You're right. Like you know, I might be trying to like pass judgment on this generation, but I might be screwing the pooch with the the guys that were there in the eighties and seventies. Right, and I agree with you. There's no, I think there's beauty in the bliss and like not, and, and like coming into it with a fresh pair of eyes. I think that's where you have to do the work to like elevate other voices outside of your own, so you can see like, oh, so you can be enriched by what this is. Like, there's certain gospel songs, seven I were talking about that that huge music to put out that I literally was at that my church sang every Sunday that I literally saw my grandmother with the Holy Ghost crying her eyes out when I'm 10 years old with the Holy Ghost because she was going through shit saying mm. like I'm going up there are these gospel songs so these songs mean way different to me in my tradition growing up in a black church than somebody who just randomly sampled because it was really cool and it is really cool because some of the best singers in the world are come from the gospel absolutely you know, you know? I think I think a big piece of this is like the credit, right? Is like credit where credit is due, right? Like you can sample it, and part of the beauty of electronic music, of dance music, is that there aren't really rules of how you make the music. Mm -hmm. you can use all yeah. loops and make something amazing, exactly. it's like, you know, a genre-defining hit. But like, how do you then look back and credit, you know, the, the ones who came before, either directly by the sample or indirectly by the fact that you know you're kind of influenced by their music, whether you realize it initially or not. Right, or just the name of the song, I think like, they just totally changed it. I don't know, it's just really, and by the way, I love it. And I, again, that's why I came into it. Like I said, there were certain songs that I would listen to. I was like, shoot, is uh, Yolanda Adams about to come out and start adding at the end of this? You know, like it would be like a random, like, so, I don't know, a random, you know, house music track that I felt like it could be, it could, Totally, the pork brusher totally worked in a gospel setting. Um, I could totally hear Tamla Man come and singing <laughs> at the end of Sarwell, and you know, I don't know. Uh, but you know, so I think it's, I think the roots are there. I think just people, I think it's just about people understanding where it comes from, and, and that's it. Because I'm because you know, I seven does things totally different than a lot of house music people in, 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 the, in the house music game. And he's gotten plaque for it, but he's, as you talked about earlier, he's been consistently putting out different sounds with it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's we, that's why we connected because we're not afraid to take chances and do this electronic music differently than many people have heard, you know, and it's okay. Um, you know, we might not, 
many people use samples, we're actually going to, we might actually be seeing it, you know, <laughs> like, you know. That's, I mean, that's the beauty of, of actually playing yeah. the music, right? And not just sampling it, right? That's because that's like your voice then being on it, not somebody else's voice. We're going to work with different artists and do samples and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's also, you know, something where, you know, you know, Sav sings on a lot of his music, you know, and, and I know that on the underground, that can be a little like weird for some people, but, um, you know, they'll get over it. Get over it, you haters. <laughs> Enough. Like, what they're called, artists. Right. To make art and music and be creative. <laughs> I'll just follow some cookie cutter. Yeah, oh. like, like I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I love, like, that is my scene, the underground. I love it, you know, and I think that, in the, in the people I know from that scene, when they hear the right shit on right up top, um, top of the right shit done right they're all over it you know if it's good it's good you know if it's good it's good amen mm -hmm. that's so true yeah. well it's been amazing having you guys here yeah, is, there any like, last, is there any last music you want to go on there would you say seven uh nothing this lag is like crazy yeah, man, that crazy that mountain internet. That mountain internet. We ask you a question, you like hillbilly re respond lag. like next week. <laughs> right. I respond yeah, in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> recording events when they're like they they're like trying to talk to the the field reporter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then it's like they're standing there, they're waiting, oh and then finally they're like, "Oh yeah, well, <laughs> that's right, that's right, Eli. We're here, we're here live." <laughs> yeah. So the closing guys from these damn mountains, and next time we talk, it'll be better Wi-Fi. <laughs> He'll be out here, and we're, we're making it happen. Um, I also, I also released I don't know that. About all that but in California, <laughs> California. <laughs> right. We've been having this conversation for a while, guys. Um, so I also released a, 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 a little promo song. I did a cover of um, a Mary J. Blige record. That's right. Over a. Um, of our Sasha Rabadi track, just some fun I did even before I did that song even before I really knew what I was about to be doing and what I was being called to do with this, you know, with this label and with this music and with Seven and everything. But I did that just for fun and um, released that. And yeah, so check that out. It's called um, Low Key Goddess by Sasha Rabadi, Brandon Lucas Vocal Edit. You know, it's a uh, Love No Limits, Mirage Vibes. You know, so much. Super dope. Do, do you want to take? Should we take a look at it before we go, or you want to save? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Let's pull it up, Chris. We'll take a look at this, and uh, it's for the ladies. It's for the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Oh, he's asking for the link. Um, here you go, Chris. Yeah, that was a dope. That was a dope one. I'm glad you brought that up, Brandon, because we skipped over it. Yeah. There's also that Seth Troxler remix, but I think we're just gonna have to make. I think we gotta that save one. that. We have to have a special day for that. You know. Yeah. You know it's for the ladies when you got cheetah print walls. There's no need to tell you. As far as I can really become, love's been here for you. So you don't have to worry 
so 90s. <laughs> We're back. question which is have you had a body like that since you were in the boy band you kept that up the whole time the, it, it, the, it was gnarly how much we were hurt <laughs> i haven't done any of this two days before this <laughs> oh no but you still got you still got you still got your you still got your abs you still got your pecs i mean oh, yeah. we say we gotta keep it together though over the years i've always i mean i did the acting i did the modeling thing for a while but I, um, but for the past 10 years, I've been on the business side. And then um, that that literally was two days. I did a full Grave the Boat show. And like uh, we had a rehearsal with the dancers, rehearsal with the band, work with everybody. And that's it. And that's usually like a week of rehearsal I should have had, you know? Um, but yeah, it was. it's funny how, the, the guy, you know, when you say like, it's like riding a bike, you know? Like, uh, I think that's what it's like, you know, just kind of getting back into show mode. So I, I got a question too. Did, has Sasha Robotti responded since you released this? 
we actually spoke uh, several months ago, again, before I was doing any of this. Uh, he, we have a mutual friend and I told him like, yo, like I, I, I get this, I had this cool, like I was just in the studio, you know, I had some stuff and I was like, I just want to record, I have the idea. Yeah. Went to the studio, did the idea, mixed it down. I told my homie like, yo, like um, connecting with your boy. And I talked to him, I was like, yo, are you cool if I put it out? Like, yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Like you just talk to my label, it's fine. Didn't even do anything about it. Didn't do anything with it, and wasn't gonna do anything with it. Um, I was gonna put it out like just on YouTube on SoundCloud, yeah. um, which I, I am. And then fast forward a few months later, it's like, oh shit! Now I have like a full record, like a full project, and things are happening. You know, so hey. it's a dope cut. It's a dope cut. It's a great Mary J. Blige song, and it's it's a cool idea to do that. It's like super postmodern what you're doing like taking music from here and there and and melding with like songs from your past or an r&b and i mean it's going to be hard to think about that that's a dirty bird record i think yeah, yeah. it's yeah. going to be hard to think about that record without your vocal <laughs> you know what i mean after hearing it yeah i appreciate that man that, i mean that's interesting that i love that postmodern. i didn't even think about it like that postmodern i guess something that for sure we haven't really seen it yet you know um we we, we seen it on the more pop side like how pop has um, been infiltrated by like the more EDM dance stuff, but we haven't seen it in the more deeper side. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. You're like, you're like cre creating the, the mind of the DJ, but like with your voice, you know, mashups and remix and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I have a few of those, I, you know, I don't want to get stuck in that. Obviously I have a, a several original tracks or whatever, but I definitely, my mind does always go to like, ooh, this sounds dope with this, and ooh, that sounds dope with that. You know, I'm constantly doing that with my music. I have several songs that I did to like, uh, have a song with, uh, um, to a um, fucking, like a Nora and Pure track, I don't know. You know, like I did some stuff with DJ Clip, you know, like one of his tracks, you know, like just yeah. random shit where I would just sing a, a contemporary R&B song and do it over this like already released track just for fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool, man. Yeah. Well, I want to end with one of one of my favorite seven tracks. Yeah. Up in there, um, which is Friends, which is such a great, such a great one. Oh yeah. And yeah, I think I'd love to close with that one and just. Is this just, is this a uh, video or or the or the no it's just, it's just the artwork that was on classic music. Yes, um, I remember buying this record and just loving it, just being like, wow, this is this is an, an amazing step in how Thank you, man. I've got new house music. I've got new dance music coming. Oh, can't wait to hear it. And now hearing at the top of the show about you seeing Mark Farina. This stuff always made me think of Mark Farina, Derek yeah. Carter. Especially Derek on this one. Original. Thank you. 
Man, I miss being with all my friends. Yes, yes. 
Jam. You know, Seven, I was I was reminded before we before we say bye, there was just I, I was looking doing some research for the show today and I noticed you participated in a compilation a couple years ago called Bring Down the Walls. Um a benefit album um against our mass incarceration here in the US to raise money. Um fight that and i saw you did a track on there um with a formerly incarcerated person is that correct how did that how did that come about um the organization creative time hit up me and Ani Dijon and said that they wanted us to be a part of the the project and um so they wanted us to remake you know a legendary house song um, so me and Honey worked on that remotely. We did the instrumental, and they sent the instrumental to the to the vocalist. We never met, um, and then uh, he recorded the song, and it, it was pretty cool. But we we did it yeah. remotely at the time. It, it was way before you know all this. Um, Honey was on the road. I was you know still taking care, doing some self care. But yeah, I thought it was a really great project. Like I've never been to prison, but I've had you know, problems with the law when I was younger. So I just thought it was really, really cool to kind of like give those voices a spotlight. Cause I'm sure there's some great artists that are unfortunately in prison, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, we do a lot of work with an organization. Um, well, I'm totally blanking on the, on the name right now. Give a oh, beat. Man. Give a beat, yeah. Give a beat. It's a music that, organization that uses dance music and and uh, DJs and producers to help fight mass incarceration and also to educate and empower um, incarcerated people, especially coming out and using music and and helping them with business and music skills. Sure. And so I've actually been communicating with a uh, an incarcerated person in Nebraska named Russell Waldrow, who's a po amazing poet and kind of through his time being incarcerated has you know, written just incredible poetry and like, and rap and, and all this stuff. And, and so just working on kind of mentoring him and, and like plan helping him plan for what he's going to do when he gets out soon. So I think it's amazing. There's so many talented folks who are incarcerated both justifiably and also unjustly here. So I think it's important to talk about that stuff. Um, That's amazing. For sure. It's amazing. Um, and this is great. Bring down the walls.bandcamp.com. You can support that compilation. It's a dope compilation. Actually, our friend Morgan Wiley is also also mm. produced the track on there. So it's uh, dope. There's a lot of dope music on here that I I had heard a couple and then forgot about it. But now now to go back and listen to the whole album was really amazing. Excellent, man. Got, All right, y'all. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, um, Brandon. Thanks, Seven. Can't wait to see how the label, how the movement develops, and Seven can't yeah. wait to your new music. And thank you guys so much yeah. for the support too. It's yeah. exciting. Every time, every time. Yes. Hopefully, we'll work together on some more projects in the future. Hell yeah! Can't yeah. wait. All right, guys. All right. Peace. Peace. Shoot, man, I had a vinyl thought ready to go, but I'm kind of intrigued by this "Bring Down the Walls" compilation. Maybe we should play a cut off that. It's sort of non-traditional. That's cool. Yeah. You yeah, I, I had actually heard this. Larry heard Robert Owens. Uh, bring down the walls 2.0 with Cameron Holmes was who was the incarcerated person. But wow. I mean, let's play the seven and, and honey track since we just had seven. Amazing. Honey, yeah, let's do it. Um, let me, yeah. Can you just go to that link, Chris? And, and it's track seven, honey, Dijon, seven Davis jr. And Q Williams. 
I'll, um, save, uh, I'll save my vinyl thought for, for next, next week. week. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we have a special election edition. Next Tuesday is election day. So go vote early. Go Make vote. sure you return your mail-in ballots. Um, and we'll be talking about the election. Big day. And, you know, don't forget that know it. because of all this mail-in, all these mail-in ballots, and a lot of states can't even start counting them until election day, we may actually not have results until after next Tuesday. So don't think that that means our system is broken. It just is the unprecedented times with the global pandemic affecting how we can vote. So keep that in mind. Um, and yeah, go vote y'all and mass incarceration. Okay. Peace. <laughs> See you next week, y'all.
Thank mm-hmm. you. 